let's see what this. I'll work up an offer. We'll think about it. We'll talk on the phone later. And that's it. No pressure. Nobody's doing anything wrong here, Alicia. This is how America works. Good morning and welcome to episode 600 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello. Hello. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? All right. Good. So we had tentatively talked about having a guest or two on today. Some scheduling stuff came up. We're going to do that next week instead. So it's just the two of us, just rapping at each other about baseball. Ending on a multiple of 100. That's right. <laughs> Always good to end a week on a multiple of 100. I try to do that every seven months or so. Or a multiple of 300. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so I mentioned Gabe Kapler the other day. Mm-hmm. We won't talk about Gabe Kapler every day on this podcast, probably, but... I wanted to mention something else because there was an article written by John Weissman at Dodger Insider. I will link to it in the places where I usually link to things where he's talking about the Dodgers winter development program. And there's a picture of Gabe Kapler at the front of a room full of minor league players. And he is lecturing them about advanced stats. And he and some other members of the Dodgers front office are talking to them about how the team evaluates them using advanced stats, and therefore they shouldn't be scared of advanced stats. And this is, this is exactly what we talked to Gabe Kapler about on episode 249 in July of 2013. We had him on to talk about selling advanced stats to players, and it was semi-theoretical then, and he is putting it into practice now. So that's kind of cool. I agree. <laughs> All right. Um, it is. It yeah. is as cool as we thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, not not that cool for us. I mean, no. like I, I imagine it's very cool for him. For him. <laughs> for for Dodgers minor leaguers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be fun to be there. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got a sneak preview. Mm-hmm. A year and a half before they did. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this is going to be a very Orioles centric podcast. The main topic is Orioles related. Oh. Interesting. And and AJ Ellis. Did you mention AJ, AJ Ellis? AJ Ellis is there too. Yeah. No, they I didn't. Led. Uh, oh, I guess led a session. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kapler and Ellis led a session. I was thinking that Kapler and Ellis were leading the, the whole thing, which would have been cool, but nope. they're not. Yeah. So before we get into the main Orioles topic, there is a Orioles topic that we should touch on briefly. So we are obligated to because it's one of those effectively wild inside jokes. So Chris Tillman was in the news for legitimate reasons. Uh, he is interested in an extension. And he is his representation is empowered to talk to the Orioles about an extension. But more relevant to effectively wild listeners, we received a tip about a fat player photo of Chris mm. Tillman. I have mm. just sent it to you here. This is from the the Orioles winter camp or whatever it is. It's a picture of a. A few guys standing around. Tommy Hunter, who is not a svelte player, and he is not svelte in this picture, but that's... He is He is the one in the orange? He is the one in the orange, the one yeah. in the beard, and of course I will link to this too in the Facebook group. Actually, someone else linked to it in the Facebook group already. Chris Tillman is standing with a water bottle and some orange leggings of some sort, 
and there is a protuberance below the water bottle <laughs> and above the leggings, which uh, was not there the last time I saw Chris Tillman, I don't think. I had to Google Chris Tillman because I don't, I don't have a really sharp mental image of Chris Tillman's physical fitness level, but from what I can tell, this is certainly suggestive. I think that um, I will say that the shape of the of the upper body mm-hmm. to, to me is not quite convincing enough because you know it's all black, mm-hmm. so it's it's hard to get a lot of definition there. I mean, there's certainly some some puffing, but uh, it also you know like there's this uh, it sort of just looks like well maybe he's just sort of like uh, you know he's going <laughs> uh, like that you know and right. it might not be as bad as it looks and it might be windy. But uh-huh. I will say though that the that the arm in combination with the arm, because the arm the left arm mm. sort of has a an out of shapeness to it, <laughs> right? To <laughs> me, the left definition. arm is the, it's the damning part. Is the left arm like in? It just sort of hangs there, like <laughs> like arms do, I guess. Yeah, arms are mostly just hanging there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. There's something about the con- like he's got a very low waistline in this. It looks too. like a sort of beer belly-ish shape. It looks like a, it it looks looks like like a beer belly. Like, yeah. like his pants, it, it looks like his shorts are a little lower than they, than they, than he might like them because he's, he's got a, he's got a belly mm-hmm. keeping them from growing. <laughs> I'm not, I'm like I said, though, I'm not convinced that any of this is happening. Right. I feel like this could all be bad photo. Rarely are we completely convinced <laughs> that one of these is legitimate, but this one is, is more suggestive than most, I would say. Also, in this other one, he looks. Yeah, so I just sent you another one, which is he doesn't the only have other. fat. He doesn't have fat face. Although he has grown a beard, so that could be covering. It's hard to say. In this other photo I just sent you, he is kneeling with a Gatorade towel around his neck, so there's really no way to see much of anything. I'm saying I'm I'm gonna say nothing. I'm just saying there's nothing here that he's. The face to me looks looks clean. Okay. All right. So I'm going to say there's no fat Chris Tillman. Okay. All right. I'm uh, I'm not sure. I'm equivocating a little bit more. I think there might be. But there might the not be by the time he reports to spring training. These tights are kind of shocking. <laughs> it's just how how orange they are. But I mean, I don't I don't think I've seen ball players wearing tights before. Uh, I, it yes, doesn't. This not. It's it doesn't it's look familiar to me. Hunter's wearing the same ones, but he's also wearing stirrups or high socks or something. So it, there's no no skin visible between the leggings and the and the shoes. Whereas Tillman is wearing ankle socks, black ankle socks, and so there is this gap, and it does look it does look sort of strange. So you know how when you're a kid, you might dress up for Halloween as a as a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. And you've got that sort of baggy, uh, blousy, orange pumpkin top that goes down to just below your knees. And then you've, you wear black socks underneath it to set it off. You know? Well, <laughs> I didn't do that. I was, but I was you more were, imaginative you know what I'm talking about. I mean, than you being know what, a pumpkin on Halloween. You know what a pumpkin costume looks like, though. Sure. I'll send you one. <laughs> I'm going to send you one, just in case you're not clear. Uh, this looks like... There you go. What he is essentially wearing is somebody reversed the colors. Mm. And so you've got this baggy garbage bag over his his upper half down to his knees. And then you've got these really tight 
orange tights. And so the whole thing is unflattering. You see what I've sent you? <laughs> yes, I see what you mean. This is exactly what, I mean, this is the opposite. He just got his pumpkin wrong. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you can all be the judge for yourselves. We don't want to tell you what to think about whether a player is fat or not. Why are they, what is Chris Tillman doing in, on a field? Are they, are they reporting? There have been a bunch of teams at winter camps, right? Voluntary, completely. Yeah, but I thought those were for kids. <laughs> voluntary camps. I hate how the the voluntary camps, there's always someone who doesn't show up to the voluntary camp and people are sort of annoyed about it and think that he should have showed up at the voluntary camp. Like Pedro Alvarez didn't show up to the, the Pirates voluntary camp. And that was sort of a thing. Some of these uh, comments are great. <laughs> yes, the the commenters well, think... on the tweet, which is a this picture is a, a Rock Kabatko, the the Orioles writer for Masson. He took this picture, and the comments on it seem to suggest that the internet thinks there's something here. I like the one guy though who says simply, "That is not Tillman." <laughs> right. Uh, well, there are a couple people who say that but it could be i don't know i trust i trust the orioles writer over twitter maybe they're just deceived by the beard and the new physique uh-huh yeah or the leggings All right okay so the real orioles topic today probably probably not one that will make orioles fans feel any better than the possibility of a fat tillman although uh, there's some good good orioles news right manny machado said he's feeling Better than he has in a while. I so. don't think that a fat pitcher is that bad a thing anyway. No, it might not be. Fat mm-hmm. pitchers aren't as bad as fat shortstops. Mm-hmm. That's true. And there's plenty of time for him to work himself into shape. Um, so the the main news surrounding the Orioles is this ongoing off-season long, will he or won't he, Dan Duquette going to the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have been looking for a team president. They've been rumored to be interested in just about everyone. These reports first surfaced around the beginning of the winter meetings, and Duquette was just one of a few names mentioned at the time. Kenny Williams was one of the names mentioned at the time. But Kenny Williams quickly made a comment about it, and he came out and said that he had considered it, but that ship had sailed, and that was the end of the Kenny Williams speculation. Whereas Duquette never really denied it. He At the time, he made one of those, I'm the Orioles GM, and I'm putting together the best team I can for 2015, one of those sort of statements, without saying that he would continue to be the Orioles GM indefinitely. And so these reports have now resurfaced and have got a little more substance to them. There was a report that there are actual negotiations going on here. Ken Rosenthal and and John Morosi reported that there are negotiations between the Orioles and the Blue Jays about compensation for Duquette. Presumably those negotiations are going on with someone other than Dan Duquette in the Orioles front office. And this is a, a very uncomfortable situation for everyone, presumably, because you've got your GM it's it's more uncomfortable than than most it's it's always kind of uncomfortable if your gm is interested in going to another team especially so in this case because it's a division rival who is 
expected to be competitive this coming year might might be the the top threat to the Orioles right now and depending on how you feel about the Red Sox so this is uh one of those situations where you wonder whether there's some kind of moral hazard situation where if Duquette really does want to go and all the reports suggest that he is interested in getting a promotion and a pay bump and he has declined to comment this week so he has not denied it then you kind of wonder and of course wait, even if how, wait where's know, the moral where's the moral hazard coming well he as long as he's the Orioles GM he has to put the the best team that he can together for the Orioles but if he expects to be the Blue Jays GM next month I see okay then then that has to be in the back of his head no matter how how honorable no matter how much integrity he has and I'm sure he has plenty but when you expect to be working for your current rival in a short time or you think there's a good chance of that it's got to be in the back of your mind Mm -hmm. and uh, the perception that that's a conflict is probably not helped by the fact that the Orioles have lost a bunch of free agents this winter and have not really made any significant acquisitions, which might have probably has nothing to do with this. That's kind of the pattern that they followed last winter too. But if people are worried that he is sandbagging the Orioles somehow so that he can go win with the Blue Jays, then the fact that the Orioles haven't done a whole lot this winter might possibly reinforce that perception. So Peter Angelos, the owner of the Orioles, has said that that Duquette will be with the Orioles, that he's not letting him out of his contract, and he's signed for four more seasons. He and Buck Showalter signed extensions two years ago that took them through the 2018 season. And we've talked about how extensions for managers or GMs don't necessarily mean a whole lot, that the salaries are a drop in the bucket for most teams. So you might just tack a year on so that there's no controversy about whether the guy is a lame duck. doesn't necessarily mean you are committed to him or that he's going to stay, but four years is a long time. That's longer than a, a lot of GMs are signed for. And so there is this question about what is going to happen. Angelos says nothing is going to happen, that he's going to stay and honor the contract. There are conflicting reports about that. The people who issued those reports, Ken Rosenthal wrote that he might, you know, Angelos's comments might just be a negotiating tactic. So uh, it's an uncomfortable situation and, and we don't know anything about what the parties involved are thinking. So we won't necessarily talk about how this will end one way or another, but I do want to just talk about it in principle the idea that a GM might want to go to another team because you're kind of in a bind as the owner of that team, right? As soon as the GM indicates some desire to go elsewhere for a pay raise or, or a promotion, particularly a promotion because that's harder to match, you're kind of stuck, right? Like Angelos is entitled to maybe feel annoyed about this. If he he gave this extension to Duquette, he brought Duquette back from being out of the game for a decade and gave him a job, which a lot of people were kind of quizzical about at the time. It's like in The Good Wife, when Alicia asks for a raise Mm. after Lockhart Gardner brings her back 
from not being a lawyer, not actively being a lawyer for 13 years, and they expect some loyalty. Yeah, but then, that, but Lockhart, Lockhart <laughs> was clearly rooting for Carrie in season one, and Alicia only got the chance because Will, who was a friend, stood up for her. So yes, good point, good point. Uh, so, but you're you're kind of in a bind, right? Because as soon as your GM indicates a desire to go elsewhere, you almost have to let him, right? Like even if he's under contract, and you're totally entitled to hold him to that contract. You don't want the person who's running your team to have his eyes on some other team, particularly a division rival. So it's almost as if as soon as a GM is tempted to go somewhere, he has the leverage, right? I, I, You wouldn't say that about a shortstop, though. No, you wouldn't. I, well, I don't know. The, the shortstop, he only controls himself right whereas the gm is determining the direction of your team and and your winter and all of your planning and can really sabotage you whereas if the shortstop the worst he can do is refuse to play which is which is bad he can he can only hurt the situation he's in he can't poison the situation that he's leaving right and right. and he can't like it's not like the it's not like like uh the shortstop could uh you know like well do anything to affect the the next year's team for instance mm-hmm. and yeah like anything he would do would would hurt himself uh because anything that you would want him to do would also benefit him so yeah but mm-hmm. uh, in potentially... the sense but but no but in the sense that um sorry getting back to though to that because uh you don't have to let duquette go and there's nothing that keeps him there right i mean uh, mm-hmm. that that keeps him from that keeps you from keeping him there and so all he could do not to cat i assume to cat wouldn't do this but in in a theoretical hypothetical person all he could do if you kept him there through the end of his contract is pout right and that's all the shortstop could do too so mm-hmm. in the sense that ultimately you get to choose whether he goes to the other team presumably right uh it's no different than the shortstop true although and now and so and then furthermore uh, let's say though that he's gonna go. Uh, is it any more of a difference than you know if you have a programmer who works for your company and aspires to work for a different company that hires programmers, or uh, if uh, you know you decided that you wanted to work for Baseball Digest and <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, uh, and uh, you know you were in the same kind of semi conflict with your employer. I guess, I mean, it has a lot in common. I'm trying to think of the, the other differences with the shortstop situation. If you're the shortstop, everything you do is public, right? So if you, you're going to be a free agent at some point, you, you could be traded potentially. So if you pout and it hurts your performance and you get out of shape and you put up worse numbers, everyone sees that. But do you think that you think a GM could could realistically tank and get away with it in this industry? I mean, there's that old line where uh, uh, Tom, I think it was Thomas Jefferson, uh, had a like a, a you know he had a, a ranch or something like that, and um, one of his ranch hands was stealing cattle from the neighbors. This, I'm actually I've jumbled two analogies that are both funny, <laughs> but one of his ranch hands was stealing cattle from the neighbors. And Thomas Jefferson found out and, and fired him. And the guy goes, well, I mean, I was stealing him for you, though. 
And he hmm. says, well, anybody who would steal from you, uh, for you, would steal from you. And so that's why he got fired. And uh, But why, instead of that, that's a stupid one. I should have gone back to the good wife. I was just going to go back to the good wife myself. Yeah, that's where I was getting, because that's why the Jefferson thing was on my mind. It came up in the good wife. I, I was reminded of the Jefferson. So in the good wife, uh, uh, what Canning uh, wants mm-hmm. to, to poach Alicia, and she says, you know, I'm unpoachable because Spoilers. I, Spoilers. In I principle, know. in principle, Alicia yeah, says that the the, <laughs> the lawyers who, who... Says that she's unpoachable because she she sees how lawyers that are poached get treated. They're looked right. at with suspicion. Nobody will ever trust you again. Here's the problem. I see how we treat lawyers who are poached. They're the first ones out the door. They're the ones we don't trust. And that is why I will not be poached. problem at Lockhart Gardner is they treat like a family. They treat loyalty as an absolute good. And it's not? No, at home it is. At work, it's, it's talent and professionalism that matter. That's why I don't hold a grudge. You come and work for me, you'll be judging the value of your work and only your work. So there's already, I mean, that's presuming that you didn't tank. I mean, it would be, like, look, we're already, there's no reason whatsoever to think that, I mean, you don't believe that Duquette tanked this offseason, and yet you spent three minutes talking about how well he might have. I mean, he didn't, we don't believe he did, and you genuinely don't believe he did, and you genuinely don't want to imply he did. And I yet believe after that a conversation, some people might believe that he did. Right, some people do. Like, some people are already probably saying that about him, and if he went to Toronto, it would probably be something that certainly Orioles fans would bitterly complain about for the next 25 years. I mean... And you don't even sense. want that perception if you're the Orioles. So maybe you make a change just to avoid that perception. So the point is that I I don't feel like the GM... It, it seems to me that it would take a particular kind of short-sighted sociopath to attempt to <laughs> destroy his his ex-team on his way out the door. I don't think that the... Not only do I don't uh, think that the industry would not treat that man kindly, but it wouldn't particularly surprise me if some damages. I mean, Major League Baseball is uh, a body that uh, has fairness, uh, you know, that has sort of uh, like almost absolute power to do whatever it wants in the interest of fairness. And so if it were uh, clear that the outgoing GM had sabotaged his his team, it wouldn't surprise me if Major League Baseball would... Um, uh, sort of have uh, sanctions on the mm-hmm. GM's new team. Mm-hmm. Possibly, yeah. Well, okay, so so let's say that you are in Angelus's situation or you're just in generic owner's situation with generic GM thinking about leaving. So let's say that you think that your GM is an above-average GM, and I would guess that you know, every owner does probably. They can't all be right, but most of them probably think that. So what would you what would you think that the damage would be? You're probably not gonna get compensated fairly by the team that he goes to because there just there just isn't a really a precedent for significant player assets being exchanged for executives. So and maybe that's because of the the leverage thing that there is this perception that once the GM wants to go, the team that has him sort of loses the leverage. But what is the actual loss to the team if you are losing this GM you have under contract for four years? Let's say say he's an even if he's an average GM, what are you losing just because 
he is your GM and you have to train a new guy and this guy knows everything and you've got to get this guy up to speed in the middle of a winter and he's taking his knowledge of everything about your organization and all of your capabilities to another team, in this case, a, a direct rival. And the Orioles are are already supposedly thinking about Plan B GMs, and there's a, a list that was reported, and the list of GMs that they're considering is like if they had just plucked the Internet's least favorite GMs off of a list and, and put them on can a I, new list. Can I, can I guess? Sure. Jim Bowden. <laughs> no. Are any of these people currently employed? Yes, but not as GMs. Right. But, that's, yeah. But uh, yes. Ed Wade? No. Ned Coletti? Yes. Uh-huh. Ned <laughs> Coletti. Uh, KT. Oh, Kevin, of course, KT. Kevin Sowers. Yeah. Omar Minaya. Oh, yeah, Omar. And Kevin Malone. Who, uh, Omar, Omar, the <laughs> Orioles cannot sign a GM named Omar. I'm sorry. <laughs> Too obvious. Yeah. Kevin Malone. Kevin Malone is on this list. That's a, that's one you don't hear every day. It's kind of interesting that Kevin Malone's on this list because Kevin Malone replaced Dan Duquette when Dan Duquette left the Expos. And Kevin Malone had a feud, a very public feud with Kevin Towers who is also one of the candidates for this list. He was uh, he hasn't been a GM since 2001 when he was GM of the Dodgers, and he resigned after supposedly challenging a fan to a fight because the fan was criticizing Gary Sheffield, which I'm sympathetic. I like Gary Sheffield, but probably, probably shouldn't be doing that if you're the GM. He called the fan Mouth, supposedly. He said, what do you know, Mouth? And then he started challenging him to a fight, according to the fan and other fans in the area. But one of the other controversies that Malone got into was when he was hired in September of 1998, like his first press conference, he called himself the new sheriff in town. And that seems fairly innocuous to me. It's just an expression. But this made a lot of people mad and it made Kevin Towers mad. And I'm Quoting from an article from 2001 here, after Malone resigned in the Hartford Current, the remark so angered Towers that he had himself pictured alongside manager Bruce Bochy and other team officials in long rider-type Western outfits on the cover of the Padres' 1999 media guide. No kidding. We had a sh- we had a Sheriff Towers joke in the annual this year coming really? up. Huh. Yeah, we, we referred to there was some player who uh, isn't very good but is gritty and has a what we called a full throttle approach. Mm-hmm. And we said something like, uh, which is nice, uh, but Sheriff Towers doesn't patrol these parts anymore, son, something like that. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so back to my question. What is the what is the loss to a team, do you think? We've, I mean, we've talked about how there are so many smart GMs and maybe they're all interchangeable, but what is the loss to a team taking all of his knowledge to a division rival, making you train a new GM in the middle of the winter or toward the end of the winter, what is the cost, do you think? Well, you have a, you have a, well, last time we had a conversation somewhat along these lines, there was a, a competing hypothesis that um, after a few years of a GM, you've sucked up all of his best internet, uh, in intellectual property anyway. Mm. Like it is now yours. And 
um, what you lose in continuity, uh, you gain in having a new perspective. I mean, like at, at this point, everybody in the Orioles front office maybe has already heard Dan Duquette's best best lines. They've already mm-hmm. heard all of his management techniques. They've embraced them. They know standing desks. They've all got standing desks. Mm-hmm. He can't. I mean, maybe maybe two percent of his value was that he was going to come in and bring standing desks, uh, and maybe one uh, percent was uh, that he came in and he had like. Uh, some really great um, aphorism about um, uh, management or something like that. And now everybody knows that. Orange leggings. Those were his. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so you could argue that, um, in fact, uh, having a, a new GM every few years is good. It, uh, it, it, uh, multi- it's got a multiplier effect on uh, what perspectives you have in the organization. I honestly don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm shocked that you don't have an exact precise figure. <laughs> Uh, depends on the GM. Depends on um, how long he's been there. Uh, Duquette hasn't been there that long. I, w- I wouldn't consider him stale and used up as I might consider uh, another, you know, another GM who's been in his position for much longer. So I don't know. It's uh, it's like uh, I don't know. It's like if you have a, a well, nah, it's, uh, one analogy too many. I'll just say I don't know. <laughs> Was it going to be good wife? No, it wasn't. Uh, I don't. It, it seems to me like I wouldn't really probably let Duquette go. I, I don't. Uh, GMs are. It, it's it's weird to me because they're most people are allowed to go to a new job. You know, you could go to a new job if you wanted to. It like it's not like if you got hired somewhere else. It's not like. Grantland would go, no, you have to stay four years unless they, you know, give us one of their writers back. Like, that wouldn't even occur to you to get another person's writer back. Like, <laughs> like baseball players are their own unique thing where it's just accepted that they're going to go play wherever they're told to go play. Mm-hmm. Um, and most employees in the world are not like that. They're, they're presumed to have a great deal of, uh, of freedom of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact... One thing I learned recently, which I, I, I trust the person who told me this, is that uh, non-compete clauses, everybody knows about non-compete clauses, right? Mm-hmm. At sure. The very, at the very least, your boss might have a non-compete clause. So if you do leave, you can't go to uh, work at you know the, the competition the next day. Don't, those are, those are, fast food employees have non-compete clauses now. What I'm told from a person who was just on a jury that was uh, heavily focused on non-compete clauses uh, is that those are essentially unenforceable and basically uh, illegal, that courts won't, won't enforce them anymore, that uh, they are, out, I don't know if they're outdated or what, but they're, they're almost not even real. I don't know if that's true, but that they're almost not even, like you could, you might sign one, but you can ignore it because you have a lot of freedom of movement. It's uh, the, the, the Constitution gives you freedom to work for people for pay at your, at your will. There's and no constitution in baseball. So uh, GMs used to be like other people, you know? Mm. GMs used to be like you and me and everybody else who has a job that uh, is normal. But in the last, you know, some years, they've become much more like the players. They are a key part of the competitive pursuit. Uh, they always have been, but now it's more explicit and their value is seen more. And everybody's a bit more... Uh, I don't know, Machiavellian about these mm-hmm. things. And they have shifted in a lot of ways to the 
uh, the, to an asset that the club controls and that they're just as the club doesn't care that much about fairness to its players because they're assets and everybody agrees to that agreement and uh, the players get compensated very well for that arrangement and so nobody feels too badly about them. GMs are kind of moving into that class too. Mm -hmm. And so I think that 10 years ago, maybe it would have seemed really uh, weird to play hardball with your GM this way. And I think that 10 years from now, it will be seen as really weird that you would uh, expect a GM to be poachable. Um, mm -hmm. But right now, it's like right in the middle. And I would I would say that I would probably side with Angelos. I wouldn't let Duquette. Uh, I wouldn't let Duquette go. Um, if it were a guy who was uh, lower in the organizational uh, uh, ladder mm -hmm. and he was moving up, I would say sure. Uh, if it were, for instance, a uh, you know assistant scouting director who had a chance to take a scouting director job, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I'd let that guy go. Uh, but Duquette is already what is essentially the president of baseball ops, and now he's just going to go be the president of some other team. That, to me, uh, he is to the point where he doesn't get promotion def uh, deference. He's He can be perfectly happy with the job he's got. Thank you very much. And mm -hmm. I'd, I'd keep that asset on my books for four more years. Mm -hmm. So it is an asset, though. You do believe it's a, a well, significant it's not, asset. I mean, if it's not, then I'd let him go. Right. But. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, presuming he's an asset, which sure, mm -hmm. I think he, I, they think he is. So yeah. I think he is. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see what the resolution is. But if Sam Miller were in charge, Dan Duquette would be wearing orange leggings for the rest <laughs> of his four-year contract. Non-compete clause enforceable. No, I'm going to be reading this all night. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, will you be back on Monday? Yes. Okay. So if you're working on the holiday, we oh, will be in your ears. Because it's that, I guess. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Okay. All right. So I think that we will have one or more somewhat special-ish episodes next week. So tune in for that. Please send us some emails at podcast at baseball. Wait, we're going to do that? It's it's not 600. It's not. I thought <laughs> yeah. the point was that it was the 100. Why would we do, do that? Ben, you are both shameful and shameless. I don't know how you've managed it. <laughs> yes. Send us some emails at podcast at baseballperspectives.com and rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. And please support our sponsor by going to baseballreference.com, subscribing to the play index using the coupon code BP and getting the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We will be back next week. Have a wonderful weekend. Excuse me, Diane. Uh, yes, Alicia. I have received a formal job offer from Lewis Canning. From Canning? He approached me several months ago, and I declined, but he's been persistent. And you're considering it? I'd like to stay, but his offer would go a long way to helping me cover a mortgage payment. It wasn't Lewis Canning who gave you a chance after 13 years away from the law. This is his offer. If I stay at the firm, it has to be more. You'll give me till the end of the week? No. I can't. Yep, everybody changes. End of the week, Alicia.
Or you can clean out your desk right now. 